episode 89 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on November 12th, 2018. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week on the show, guild leveling, perks, and conquest, oh my, I'll tell you all about the new guild system, its rewards, and changes to conquest, all coming in Game Update 5.10. Also this week, the OSIS Daily Area is now available on the public test server. I visited this devastated world, and I'll let you know how it compares to other planets in Star Wars The Old Republic. The new Tier 5 gear is also on the test server. I'll speculate on how long it might take to get it all. The grind is real, folks. The grind is real. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the State of the Old Republic. Welcome to Episode 89 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. Let me begin by thanking Dr. Swotor from UtiniCast and Marcus from Working Class Nerds for putting together the Swotor Unite Podcaster event. Members from all of the Swotor podcasts got together to run the Gods from the Machine operation. It was a chance to have some fun, give away some stuff, and prove our mettle against the cool's pantheon of gods. So how do we do? Things went rather smooth until we got to Skyva, took a couple of attempts to get her down, and then Isaacs proved too formidable, and he ultimately got the best of us. We got very close, but the evening was running late. It was 1 a.m. on the East Coast when we decided to call it a night. While the event was focused on podcasters, we did have a couple of last-minute substitutions. Intisar from the blog This Week in Oribes joined us, as did Twitch streamer Scrubland. Also, Nick Vern from Working Class Nerds joined the group. While Nick wasn't an ops virgin, he had only previously run Eternity Vault and Terror from Beyond. Even Story Mode Gods is a big step up in difficulty compared to those other operations. Nick did a fabulous job dying on each boss while managing not to wipe the group. Speaking of deaths, best bets were taken on who would die first. If you had me falling off a platform trying to get out of fire, you won. The first death happened before we even got to Tithe. Yay me. This was an incredible event. I hope that the podcasters and other members of the community will band together in the future for another night of fun and mayhem. Thanks to everyone who showed up to watch and thank you for listening each and every week. Now on to Star Wars The Old Republic. Part of the reason I haven't done a show in so long is there hasn't been much to talk about. It was a lackluster summer of SWOTOR and other than the October livestream, there hasn't been any news on Game Update 5.10. Well, that's all changed, and the floodgates were opened this week as Bioware deluged us with a wave of information for Game Update 5.10, Jedi Under Siege. When 510 goes live, guilds will have a level, and you will now have to level up your guild. Unlike the original Legacy system, that was just a progress bar you filled up, guild levels will grant players with bonuses to XP, Reputation, and CXP, 
as well as access to perks that can be purchased which improve quality of life and grant advantages for combat, crafting, and conquest. Guilds will start out at level 1 and can level up as high as they want. There is no level cap, however, there are no benefits beyond level 64. Guild XP is earned by running Conquest, and you get two Guild XP points for every point of Conquest. Now, there is a weekly cap on Guild XP of 8 million. That means if you earn 4 million Conquest points for the week, you'll hit your Guild XP cap. So you're probably wondering how much Guild XP is required to level. We'll have to wait and see, but Eric Musco did say that guilds which are hitting small yield planetary targets can expect to gain around three or so levels a week. Now, I mentioned earlier that there is no level cap and no benefit for going beyond level 64, but here are some of the milestones for leveling up your guild. When you hit level 6, the guild will gain a 10% bonus to XP and reputation. At level 12, the guild qualifies for, qualifies for tier 2 guild perks. At level 32, the guild qualifies for tier 3 guild perks. When you reach level 40, the guild will receive an additional 5% bonus to XP and reputation and will be capped at 15% for both. At level 49, the guild qualifies for tier 4 guild perks. At level 51, the guild will gain a 10% bonus for CXP. And although it wasn't stated, I'm 99.9% certain that those bonuses stack with other XP and CXP bonuses. So with guild levels, we'll earn more XP and CXP than ever before. Now at level 64, the guild qualifies for tier 5 guild perks, which is currently the highest tier available. Once you get to level 65 and beyond, your guild will continue to earn guild commendations, which I'll talk about in a minute, but there are no other benefits at this time. Eric did say that they may introduce cosmetic rewards in a later patch tied to heraldry that will take guild level into account. Clearly, they plan to build on this system, so it absolutely makes sense to level your guild as high as you can. And to be fair, since leveling is tied to conquest, it's something that will occur naturally just by playing the game like you do now. So the main incentive to leveling your guild is to get those new guild perks. So how do you do that? Well, first you need to have a guild flagship. Because of this, the cost for acquiring a guild ship is going down, way down as a matter of fact, to 15 million credits. Current cost is 50 million. So if you've been working towards getting a guild ship, you may want to hold off on that purchase until 510 goes live. Now, once you have a flagship, you'll want to unlock all of the rooms as perks are tied to specific rooms on the ship. In each room, there is a new interface called a perk node. There are two nodes on the bridge and one node in each of the following rooms. The forward command room, the starboard command room, the port command room, and the engine room. Perks can be purchased three different ways. First is with credits, and the credits must come from the guild bank. The second is from guild commendations. Guild commendations are earned when your guild gains a new level, about 5 to 10 per level, and when your guild reaches its invasion yield target in conquest. You get 70, 80, and 90 commendations for small, medium, and large yields respectively. Reinforcement modules are a new item that players can make and donate to the guild by combining 10 reinforcement components. These components are bind on pickup and acquired by completing your weekly yield target in Conquest. You can also get them as a rare drop from harvesting if your guild has the new harvesting perk equipped. And you can earn them by completing specific heroic missions on Osis, provided you do these missions in a guild group. 
Now, as for the perks themselves, there are two types of perks, core and cycling. Core perks are always available for purchase. These are things like being able to summon a guild bank in the field. Cycling perks are available for a limited time only and are usually more expensive and more powerful. They're things like stat increases. Right now, Bioware plans to cycle these perks every two weeks or so. Also, to keep things interesting, perks may be part of a set. If you choose to purchase all of the perks in a set, you'll receive a set bonus. For example, a set bonus might be an increase to critical chance by 5% in operations and flashpoints, and an increase in efficiency and critical chance for all professions by 2%. There will be five sets at launch, and guilds will have to decide whether they want to chase a set bonus or just pick up the five best perks available to them at that time. One final bit about perks is whether they're core or cycling, they'll have a limited duration, which means after a specified time, you will need to repurchase them. Also, if you change your mind about a perk, you can always replace it by purchasing a different one, provided you can afford it. So that's how perks work. Now as to what they can do, Bioware listed 30 perks that will be available when the system goes live. I'm not going to go through them all, but they cover all areas of the game. If you're a quality of life person, there are perks that increase mount speed, sprint speed, and movement speed. If you're a crafter, there are perks that allow you to harvest more materials, increase your crafting crit chance, and reduce the time to craft and run missions. There are perks that affect combat by increasing stats, energy regeneration, and healing received. Eric Musco stated that these do not work in PvP. There are also perks that enhance conquest by allowing you to add more objectives and earn more points. As I said, there are 30 perks coming in 510, and I have no doubt more will be added as the system matures. I encourage you to head onto the forums or the PTS to see the full list and try them all out. Now, as I mentioned, the primary vehicle for earning guild levels and gaining access to those amazing perks is Conquest, and Game Update 510 is introducing some changes to Conquest. This isn't a major overhaul. According to Eric Musco, there are three main goals for their proposed changes. They want to ensure there is weekly consistency in conquest objectives. They want to create methods to allow players to earn more conquest points. And they want to incentivize guilds to commit earlier to prevent planet sniping. With that in mind, Bioware is adding the following objectives to every conquest. New repeatable objectives are complete any chapter, Complete any round of the Eternal Championship and obtain 8 badges in a war zone. New daily objectives are Complete round 10 of the Eternal Championship. Defeat enemies anywhere and you must complete step 1 before you can complete step 2. Step 1 is kill 100 enemies. Step 2, kill 125. And step 3 is kill 250 enemies. And the following objectives have been removed from Conquest defeat Imperial, or Republic Guards. Remember, too, that there are objectives that you can add to Conquest via a Guild perk. I mentioned that there was a goal to incentivize Guilds to commit earlier. To achieve that, Guilds will now earn a small bonus on all Conquest points earned once they have committed to a planet. Now, as to exactly what that bonus is, Eric wrote, The team is trying to balance the bonus percent between offering incentives to Guilds for committing early and not planet sniping, but we also don't want to punish guilds who don't immediately commit. I'm still working with the dev team on locking down the exact bonus, but we'll get it for you next week. And there you have it. Guild leveling, guild perks, and conquest changes coming in game update 510, Jedi Under Siege. 
Now, if you don't want to wait until December, all of these changes are available on the public test server right now. To make testing easier, BioWare has set up vendors where you can purchase Guild ship components for one credit, and there are level boosting terminals so you can gain access to all of the perks and more. I find myself looking forward to the new guild system, which is saying something because it is yet another system based around folks replaying all of the existing content. Talk about having more than one way to skin a Nexu. Guild changes aren't the only thing coming in 5.10. There's a brand new story and accompanying daily area on the planet Osis. The Jedi Under Siege story is not on the PTS, nor will it be. However, the Osis daily area and its new missions are all available for testing. I was torn between waiting until December or checking it out on the PTS, but in the end, I just couldn't wait. Now as for Osis, it's really nice. If you look back at the recent planets introduced to the game, Umbara, Capero, Nathema Reborn, and now Osis, Bioware has really stepped up their world-building game. Despite having suffered a giant cataclysm, Osis looks beautiful. It's Jeddah meets Jakku. The orange sands and crumbling half-buried statues alone make this a cool environment. But Osis is more than just sand and ruins. The planet has pockets of vegetation, and beautiful waterfalls where you can sit and marvel at the blue sky overhead. As to the missions themselves, they seem more in line with what we've seen in daily areas, such as Yavin 4, Zyost, and Oricon. It's your standard fare of kill this, collect that, and scan these things over here. If you're someone who likes daily areas but did not enjoy Iocath, I think you'll be happy with Osis. I haven't done all of the missions yet, so I don't have a sense of how long they take, Osis is not small, though, so it does take a little time to run around the place. That said, it's not hard to navigate, and it's a gorgeous place to hang around. I think Osis is a planet you'll enjoy coming back to every day and every week, which is a good thing, because it's integral to getting that new Tier 5 gear. If you recall from Bioware's October livestream, there are two ways you can acquire Tier 5 gear in 5.10. First is through crafting, and second is by purchasing it from the vendors on Osis. The crafting schematics can be attained directly from the crew skill trainers. Should be noted that they are only sold by trainers located on OSIS. This could change before it goes live, but right now those are the only trainers that sell the new schematics. As to what's required to make the piece of 258 gear, here are the materials needed to craft a dual saber. Remember, lightsabers are crafted through artifice. To make a saber staff, you need 11 ancient tomes, which you buy from the OSIS reputation vendor, for 100k a piece and some number of rep tokens. You need two forgotten transformers. I believe this is what drops from master mode gods from the machine, and I believe this material is specific to artifice and that each crew skill has their own version of this material that drops from master mode gods. You need 15 superior resource matrixes, 36 charged matter transubstantiators. You get this from conquest and other places. 10 OSIN assembly components, which is crafted, and in the case of Artifice, requires 3 refined isotope stabilizers, 4 syntonium crystals, 2 ranart crystals, 2 radiant bondar artifice bonded attachments, which is another crafted item that requires 
four Travella cloth, one Iocath recombinator, four iridescent Bondar crystals, and four iridescent artifact fragments, and a partridge in a pear tree. As you can see, it's a lot of different mats, and it's not cheap to make. The 36 charged matter transubstantiators are worth over 40 million in their own right. So if you're wondering how much this gear will be listed for on the GTN, I think 100 million credits minimum and maybe upwards of 200 million. And that's just for a single piece. Now as for the stats that are on this gear, the dual saber I was looking at, which was a tanking saber, had the following stat breakdown. For the hilt, it had 253 mastery, 266 endurance. The mod had 226 mastery, 179 endurance, and 196 defense rating. And the enhancement had 162 endurance, 253 shield rating, and 179 defense rating. Now crafting is just one way in which you can get the gear. You can also purchase it from a vendor on OSIS using a new currency called Masterwork Shards. Each piece of gear currently costs 4 Masterwork Shards. And it should be noted that the 258 main hand and offhand weapons are not for sale. You can purchase 252 weapons for two shards each, but not the 258. I don't know if that's intended or if it's a bug, but now is the time to let Bioware know that you'd like to be able to purchase the 258 weapons. Now, as to how you can get the shards, there are a few ways. There is an OSIS mission that awards one shard. There is a new rotating weekly for doing things like completing four master mode flashpoints. That also grants a shard. You can trade in unassembled components for shards. The first shard each week costs 500 components. Additional shards for the same week will cost you 1,000 components. There is also a chance for those shards to drop in level 300 command crates. So how long will it take to get a full set of gear? It all depends on how many shards you can earn each week. If you can reliably earn 4 shards each week, then you can get 1 piece of gear each week. That's 14 weeks right there, not including the time it takes to level up the new reputation, which is tied to the purchase of each piece. Remember too that the gear is not optimized. If you like to min-max your gear, you will need to buy extra pieces for the right enhancements. You will need to buy the ear, implants, and relics on the tune that's going to use them, but the rest of the gear is moddable, so you can use alts to acquire some of the other pieces and speed up the process of getting gear for your main. Even if you decide to throw your army of alts into the fray, I think it's going to be a slow road to getting a full set of gear. And since it looks like the only way to get 258 weapons is through crafting, most players won't have them as the price to buy them from the GTN just doesn't seem worth it. Keep in mind, this is early in the testing process. I encourage you to check it out and provide Bioware your feedback. But as it stands right now, the gear grind is real. The main reason to pursue this tier 5 gear is to take on master mode gods from the machine, but as you're well aware, PvE and PvP gear is one and the same. So how will tier 5 affect bolster in 510? The original plan was to increase bolster to 248, but that's now changing to 252 for gear and 236 for augments. 
as to why they're bumping up Bolster to 252. Well, according to Eric Musco, historically, we have moved Bolster to be equal to the previous tier's best in-slot item rating. However, since this tier jump was different, it also meant that we couldn't be 100% consistent. By choosing 248, it meant there is a 10-item rating differential, where normally there is only a 6-rating difference. Even though it is a one-tier jump, it actually creates a larger item rating differential than there usually is. While bumping up bolstered to 252 potentially solves a gap issue with Tier 5, it still leaves open the question about bolster and PvP gear in general. While there is no imminent solution on the horizon, Eric did say that the team is looking at options beyond 510. Here is what he wrote. A number of players have brought up the idea of having bolster be at the highest item rating available, effectively making gear and PvP irrelevant, where skill is the only deciding factor. Although we understand the desire from the players on that side of the debate, it does introduce some issues. If there is no gear chase from PvP, that removes all progression from PvP gameplay, and it also removes a part of the reward structure. However, we do know that there has been unhappiness with PvP gearing in general in the 5.0 era, especially with the removal of expertise. To make large itemization changes to PvP like that will require an equally large update, so this is the type of issue we will have to wait until an expansion-sized update to tackle. We will consider a variety of options, including reintroducing PvP-specific stats gear, bolster changes, etc., and we will make sure to talk through planned changes with all of you when we get to that point. I don't PvP enough to know what the right answer is here. From a quality of life perspective, I like not having to swap out gear for different activities, although I would say that is a small trade-off to fix the existing problem. I don't know that expertise is the answer. What I do think is needed is a better path in PvP to acquire gear in general. If you're someone who only does PvP, you should be able to get your gear at the same pace as those who only do PvE. In lieu of expertise, maybe they should introduce gear with a set bonus that is PvP-oriented and only works in PvP and can only be acquired through PvP progression. And maybe make it so that gear can only be modded with arm rings, mods, and enhancements from other PvP gear. And maybe give us the option and maybe give us the option to set a PvE or PvP focus for Galactic Command crates so we can choose the type of gear we want to get. This would still make PvE gear viable for PvP, but not ideal. Again, I don't know what the best course of action is here, but I do think there needs to be an easier path to getting gear for those players who only want to PvP. Final note for today, if you aren't aware, BioWare gave everyone a Cantina Flare during their October livestream. I really like this one and have been using it on many of my characters. Now to get that flare, go to swotor.com slash redeem dash code and enter the code SWCANTINA2018 and I believe it needs to be all caps. If you haven't redeemed the code, don't delay as it will be active through the end of the year. And by the way, there are three older codes from other events that are still active and go to swotor.com slash redeem dash code and enter SWCELEBRATION17, which will grant you a pet. Enter the code SWCANTINA17 for amount, and enter the code NYCANTINA16, and that will also grant you a mount. Thanks to fellow influencer Kid Lee for compiling this list of active codes. 
And that's the state of the Old Republic for today. Let me cut on the sublight engines and cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 89 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show's site, which is SotorPodcast.com. And there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SotorPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SotorPodcast or send me a direct message. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Look for episode 90, hopefully next week. Until then, remember the Sith Code. Cake is a lot.